Welcome to all of you. So today you'll be seeing 10 amazing local podcasters performing on stage, both this afternoon and tonight. Uh, if you're not currently subscribing to these shows, I am sure you'll find lots of new ones to start binging next week. So take notes, take the programs with you, go home and enjoy their back catalogs. So uh, a few housekeeping notes before we get going. There's a full bar. It's after one. Your mom's not here. Enjoy. <laughs> Responsibly, but enjoy. Yes. We're taking advantage of it right now. Be sure to tip the bartenders, they're lovely. We agreed to do this when we found out there was a bar. Oh, that was the, that was the cutoff? Got it, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> uh, if you get hungry, you're welcome to visit any of the restaurants up and down Elgin. Uh, bring your food back up, but absolutely no drinks. Uh, drinks you'll get from the bar. Uh, if you don't want to head out into the warmer weather, you can always do Uber Eats or whatever your favorite kind of delivery service is. So now, for our first show, please welcome Country Country Music, host Andrew, who is equal parts down home and downtown, and Sean, a singer-songwriter whose love of cold beer, guns, and blue healers are what life is all about. They have candid conversations about real country music and fight the good fight for real country music every damn week. <laughs> yeah? Uh, <laughs> so take it away, boys. Country, country music. <laughs> Hello. It's so weird to hear that back. <laughs> that it always really gets is. put in in editing, not actually being played live. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop some truth on you right here before I do our, our little intro. Mm -hmm. um, the intro that uh, she did about you, the equal, equal parts down, down, downtown, and down home. Yes. Um, this is a real conversation that happened between Andrew and I. Is I was this about your Tinder profile. Yeah, yeah I was doing my, <laughs> I was doing my Tinder profile, and I was like, Andrew, can I steal the equal parts downtown and down home? <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, it's fine. And it's legitimately on my Tinder. Ask profile. him how much it's worked out for him so far. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> hey, that's as close as I can come to helping you without actually being there to coach you. <laughs> he comes on dates with me sometimes. It's awkward. It's real awkward. I'm just creepy and I stalk. <laughs> well, welcome everybody. We are insanely excited to be the first podcast at the first ever podcast festival. Ottawa Podcast Festival. Ottawa Podcast Festival. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting a word there. Uh, uh, I'm Sean. This is Andrew. Uh, we are the Country Country Music Podcast. So we're going to drop some truth on you about country music. Yeah, we talk about all things, just a little background of what we do. We talk about things related to country music. This is why we called it the Country Country Podcast. It's not a typo. It's um, because we, we feel that country music as a genre has become so broad that we don't want the real stuff confused with pop country, alt country, bro country, or even trap country, as that's becoming a thing now. Trap country. <laughs> it's it's here. country country music. Yes. Like, Country, country music. <laughs> we said that we always said this to each other, like when we first started, like hanging out. It was always like, it's country, but it's like it's country, you know, like it's country music. Yeah, and uh, so we we discuss all sorts of topics from our favorite drinking songs, our heartbreak songs, to more intellectual or semi beer fueled, quasi intellectual, in depth music history conversations <laughs> or political hangover brunches, <laughs> hangover brunches. <laughs> Um, or political conversations about music or the cultural controversies in country music. And that's actually what we're going to do today, uh, talk about country music controversies. Um, a recent controversy involving Casey Musgraves. Love her so much. I love her. Yeah, we, we, we talk quite a bit about her on the podcast. And it, uh, it got us thinking about... Um, all the different stereotypes in country music that people still hold. And we're a little baffled that something like this was still newsworthy. Um, why, it's, why it's still assumed that country musicians shouldn't swear and just play nice and sing cute songs because that hasn't been a thing for a long time. That still exists, but there is so much, I don't know, explicit or, I don't know, evolved from old tropes of what country music is. 
and sure, country music has always had some of that stereotype going, but it's never shied from controversy, and it's been continuously evolving from artists rebelling against the music establishment, or the government, or the patriarchy, and even the assumed norms of the genre's historic, if not antiquated, base of the God-fearing down-home folks with good old-fashioned values who love wholesome music. Um, so, as part of our ongoing love letter to Casey Musgraves, that's where we'll begin today. Sean? Um, I'm not sure if I said this earlier, but I love Casey Musgraves. <laughs> Anyways, as Andrew said, it hit the news recently. Um, Casey Musgraves uh, was playing a concert, and it was after one of the many recent shootings in the U.S. It was after the El Paso one. Yeah, which is... I guess, especially close to her heart because she's from Texas, right? Golden, Texas. Yeah. So we know everything about her. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a creepy way. In I shouldn't like, have said it that way then. Yeah, you we said a real creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so she spoke out, out against this from like a real, a heartfelt place. Like she was just on stage and, well, I mean, I've played on the stage many a times and I've said many things that if I was you know, actually popular. Yeah, but she had tens of thousands that, of people. Yeah, that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is she said in a, like in a, on stage, she was in a, in a huff talking about it, and as she should be, she said, somebody fucking do something. And this should be, for our generation, for everybody, this should be what we're saying right now is somebody fucking do something. It wasn't, she wasn't just saying it. She got everybody to chant it. You yeah. Know, it was like, as Tens she of thousands should. of people chanting. We should be chanting this. Somebody fucking do something. Yeah. yeah. Like, a, as a society, we should be saying this. And, and as, like, country guys, like, both of us are, we're gun owners, all that stuff. But it's, like, I firmly believe it's, like, it's wild that she could say that. And what I'm going to say next is insane. She got roasted by Fox Media about, or Fox News, whatever, Fox Media, um, because, not because of she was speaking out against gun violence. That's probably part of it, though. Yeah. yeah. But what they were mostly upset about is that she said, fuck. Are you guys okay? Is everybody okay? Is everybody, everybody's okay? Um, she, she was the, the Fox News host, uh, Ainsley Earnhardt was her name. That's, uh, I was just about to make something up. It's Dale Hearn Earnhardt's uh, daughter. <laughs> Bullshitting. Um, but her, the, what she was all upset about was that she's like, what, what's happening in country music right now? She's up there preaching about gun control. How about her language? Is anyone actually offended by that? Like by saying something like that? It's wild. So then she goes on to take it a step further. Um, she starts talking about, and this is what really bothers me about this whole thing, is that she pulls in some of my country music heroes into this mix that had nothing to do with it. She says, <laughs> Reba McIntyre, Dolly Parton, and Trisha Yearwood should stage an intervention with Casey Musgraves. Because she's talking about some of the most actually liberal right? people. <laughs> Dolly Parton would tell them to go fuck themselves. Right? Yeah. She would like backhand, forehand, yeah. all of it. And, uh, and then she, she pulls in like a, from this article I was reading, it was like a Trumpism of where you, you, you it's like, it's almost like gaslighting almost. It's like uh, some, country, some country music fans are saying they don't want country singers to get political. Like, who's saying that? Is anybody, is, actually, is someone actually saying that? Uh, and they had that turkey guest on there, some guy who oh. wrote some book about country, like <laughs> extolling to be an expert and be like, this isn't. Yeah, yeah, like some guy just out there, like some random expert. Self-published stupid book. On, yeah, yeah. self-pub, I love self-published books. <laughs> and then the next quote was, uh, sing. <laughs> that's what we, <laughs> that's what you get paid good money to hear you do. It's ridiculous. Like, sing. Just do it. Like, think about your profession, what you do, and then if someone told you that's all you can do. Don't do anything else. You have no opinion. You are not allowed to have an opinion because you're a lawyer. You're a doctor. You're a janitor. Anything else, you, you can't do it. Well, like, moreover, let's be real. This is because she's a woman, not because cause there is constantly... Uh, 
I don't know, subversive opinions from men that never get this kind of uh, backlash, even from Fox News. Like You're 100% that, right. If that had been Sturgill Simpson or Luke Bryan or anyone on stage doing that, there, there wouldn't have been this article wouldn't. I don't think it would have existed. Yeah, and that, and that's completely fair. And it's also because of her history, which you're going to get into a little bit, is she is has a like a long history of speaking out against everything. She she does everything. She's like a she's unpopular, but she's popular. It's like she 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 speaks out against things that are unpopular, but she's still popular. It's like they have that's, to. That's no, that's made her more popular. Yeah, I like it. I love it. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, um, I have a, a good quote from uh, Mary Chapin Carpenter. Um, she said, it's a ridiculous notion of someone in their chosen profession only being allowed to do said profession and nothing else. Um, I've always been allergic to that notion that some people have that if you're in the entertainment business, you therefore are disqualified from speaking out about what you believe in, uh, culturally, politically, whatever it may be. When people say, shut up and sing, that kind of phrase is demeaning to me. And it's completely demeaning and if you don't know who mary chapin carpenter is she is one of the superstars of 90s country and when she want when these fox hosts want to go back and reference people like reba dolly parton trisha yearwood as someone they assume should like stage an intervention then you have another superstar of more or less equal standing maybe not quite but close in the same conversation like it, it's so directly it's, contradicting. It's so offensive too that they they just took people out of context, like like random people were gonna stage an intervention. It shows how little they actually know about the topic. If they're gonna ask, they say Dolly Parton should stage an intervention. I can't think of them. Not even country music, but what's a more liberal character? Like, could you imagine what she was what she was doing that morning when she saw that quote? Like, <laughs> she would spit out it. her coffee. You know those memes with like W T W U T? What? What in tarnation? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I, I summed up, I'm going to let Andrew uh, take it away here in a second, but I summed up some other like funny quotes and uh, Willie Nelson had one too where he said, um, people sometimes get upset because I've got to vote too. He said, opinions, I love, I love this, opinions are like assholes, everybody's got one. That's a Willie Nelson quote for you. Um, Jason Isabel really, really chimed in on this whole thing and if you don't know who Jason Isabel is, he's, uh, I guess he's alt country, but... Yep. He's really alt country. He's pushing it, right and, and yeah, and he just he played blues fest, and it was a it was a real real good scene. If anyone's there, but he is a, a very outspoken uh, musician, very talented musician. Um, but he, his Twitter feed is uh, lit, as the kids say. I think. <laughs> um, so so he he said on Twitter when this was all going on about people saying like stick to music. He said, um, "Oh, you're drowning. Sorry, I'm going to stick to music." And then, <laughs> <laughs> Start singing the Phil Collins song in the air tonight. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, stars to death uh, while sticking to music at the counter of a delicatessen. <laughs> yeah. And then the last one I'm going to throw out here is from a, a um, website called Farce the Music, which is a great website. Uh, so, uh, so it's cool for country music to sound like anything but country, but it's not cool for country singers to be anything but conservative. Got it? Yeah, when you sent that to me a couple of weeks ago, that was, yeah. Sean is motioning the mind-blown hand signal. I always do that. Yeah. A lot of air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, continuing our uh, ongoing love letter to Casey Musgraves, uh, this isn't the first time she's found controversy, and ho hopefully not the last. Um, so... She was, she's a pretty country gal, uh, brought up in Texas, been singing forever. If you follow her social media, she's always posting like these cute videos from her as like 13 singing Alan Jackson or Merle Haggard songs. Or <laughs> actually about her the cred. Best. Rem remember the uh, the Walmart uh, the yodeling kid? What was oh, his name? Uh, Mason. Uh, Ma yeah, Mason, Mason Ramsey. Raymond Ra Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> when that he was getting kid. super blown up on the internet with his like little yodeling shtick, 
remember Casey Musgraves posted on her Instagram like this old grainy video from like 1996 of her like in the exact same getup with her little hat and rhinestone outfit yodeling and she's just like the only caption was something like what's up Walmart kid the nation it wasn't ready it was not yeah, ready yeah. no it was, she was before her time oh don't get me started on that kid yeah yeah that's that's a topic for another day um Anyways, uh, she moved to Nashville, uh, was a great songwriter for years for selling songs to other people, working for publishing houses uh, while working on her own record. And a lot of the themes of her songs were very much what you would expect from just like good old real country, like same trailer, different park, dime store cowgirl. But at the same time, uh, she started throwing in a lot of a um, little more against the grain, subversive to the establishment type of music. Like, one like a little bit at a time. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I loved about Sm- it. Yeah, Smatterings. Like, I love a song of hers called Good Old Boys Club, um, essentially talking about how she she wants to make it on her own like w- and isn't impressed that so many people make it by only their connections or being part of this good old boys club some choice lyrics there like cigars and handshakes appreciate you but no thanks another gear in the big machine don't sound like fun to me don't want to be part of the good old boys club and with a slight wink in reference to wink, wink, nod, uh, nod. Yeah, wink, wink, nod, nod. <laughs> yeah. Is that our Simpsons Mr. Reference? Thompson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think he's talking to you. Sorry. We always have to do a Simpsons reference. It just it, it works its way in. We can't have a 15-minute conversation without a That's Simpsons reference coming 30 in. 30-something-year-old man. <laughs> Anyways, um, before we get too far off, uh, where were we? The good old boys club. Oh, yeah. So um, she, oh, it was a little subtle reference to the big machine, big machine label, which is what Taylor Swift is on. And I'm pretty sure her father or somebody was a big investor in it. So it's all this kind of did you make your own way and yeah. like good old boys club up oh, smile wink handshake cigars good old boys club sorry no thanks not interested and uh, i think what really launched her into another level of stardom was a song called follow your arrow oh, that's that um so yeah <clears throat> so play it yeah yeah unfortunately we don't have licensing we, we never play music on our podcast uh, other than our intro theme song because we wrote and made that we wrote and recorded ourselves but go follow our um spotify oh yeah all the all the music we talk about any song we reference in this is always on spotify after so you can hear through everything it's just without the perfect convenience of having it a la minute as they would say in Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, Follow Your Arrow is, uh, some choice lyrics from that are, so you can get an idea for it if you haven't for, uh, heard it. Uh, if you save yourself for marriage, you're a bore. If you don't save yourself for marriage, you're a horrible person. If you won't have a drink, then you're a prude, but they'll call you a drunk as soon as you down the first one kiss lots of boys or kiss lots of girls if that's something you're into so and also talks a lot about smoking weed in that song as well too i forget what the exact reference is lyrically i I love how she did the the horrible person thing because you know if she had said whore yeah just left it at that no not no radio play she's just so good at those little turns of phrase too um anyways um that song really put her into another stratosphere of, well, A, it was against a lot of the establishment, so there was not a lot of traditional country folks really following and giving that a lot of attention. I don't know even if it was not played on some radio stations, but because of the references to smoking weed, oh, where we got, yeah, we got some some more. Look at this murder. Yeah. So good, right? (laughs) Because we're doing this live, we've got a little projector behind us with some uh some some pictures to accentuate what we're doing which we'll probably somehow post somewhere probably on the website listen should we just talk about casey musgraves for the next 40 minutes we probably can (laughs) (laughs) we're we're gonna go entirely off script and just (laughs) change the title uh anyways um 
So because of her references to all of the weed smoking, everything that she's all about, and like her and Willie Nelson have become friends because they're, she, she's very much like a young female Willie Nelson in that regards. Uh, but because of her other lyrics, some of which we just mentioned, um, she has become a bit of an LBGTQ icon. Um, where she, I, I went to go see her. My wife and I saw her in, I want to say February and in, in Montreal. In Montreal, and I'd been seeing this on her Instagram before and after at different shows, but with this tour, um, the oh, what a wonderful world tour. Uh, she was meeting all kinds of fans, and often a lot of people who are who found the courage to come out of the closet because of her music and so she has all of these little connections and small little videos of x person from x city that uh likes this music for this different reason and i i think has really built a huge whole separate following untraditional following to country music because of it and uh i, I think culminating with the fact that she was a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race for one episode. So that, that was uh, kind of cool. I guess Shania Twain also, I think, did that on one episode, but yeah. somehow that's less cool. Uh, wow, <laughs> it's still pretty cool. No, <laughs> shots fired. No, no, Sh Shania is We the love best. Shania. Um, She's f I'm from Sudbury. I'm from Northern Ontario. I have to hold firm with Shania. Yeah, you're only she 10 hours from where she's from. <laughs> yeah, Timmins, I think. <laughs> A Canada joke. Canada <laughs> geography. <laughs> Nobody else will get that. Um, yeah, so she she really goes against how um, country is represented in the mainstream, um, but or misrepresented in the mainstream, and more of a, a true to the cross-section that actually exists within country, but doesn't necessarily get a lot of the credit or uh, airtime because so much of what people think is that country music is this big right-wing conservative movement with bros and racists and womanizers and of course that ha has been definitely a part of it like it has been parts of all kinds of music like let's not kid ourselves that most rap <laughs> is yeah, not filled with like womanizing um, or I don't know I don't know if it's necessarily racist, but I don't know, controversial in all these different ways. Anyways, um, just just a, a little accentuation point on how country is different and someone causing constant controversy uh, to, I think, bring it into more of a mainstream uh, perspective properly. Well, and, and it's amazing that she's done this. Like She's just bashed through stereotypes because this is what we're here to do is not here in this specific place, but our podcast, the point of it is like, we're trying to tell people that country is, it's not what you think it is. When we say country, country music, we're talking about that it's country, country music. We're, ignore all that bullshit. All the stuff that you hear on the radio, all the garbage songs you hear about dirt roads and trucks and all, all this stuff. That's hey not girl, what, get yeah. up in my truck. Yeah, that's yeah. not what it is. And, and this is what we're going to talk about today is that, and we're going to dive back to like the fifties of like strong women and like just everything about country back then was, it was amazing. And, and it, it, it ducked down for a while where people were afraid to say stuff. And we're also going to talk about that. Um, but it has always been a progressive genre of music, but people only know what's on the surface. And this is what we're here and this is the purpose of our podcast and more or less what we do. Like we just yell at people all day, every day about country music. And it's to talk about like how progressive it actually is as a genre. Like, listen, I grew up on punk rock. That's what I did. I was in a punk band for years and I really started to identify with country music because of the ideals of it. And when you dig deep, you will find so many artists and this is what we're going to talk about it. I'm going to dig right into it. Um, well, we now have a picture of Kitty Wells up. Oh. She really gets my engine run running, you know. <laughs> I love Kitty Wells, and we've talked about this a bunch of times. Uh, we did an episode, our actually our first. It was our first episode, right? No. The, the Jones versus. Uh, oh Stripe. yeah, 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 yeah. 
we did, our first episode was like an, uh, us arguing about George Jones versus George Strait. Blah. And then we, <laughs> so we got into this big thing recently about um, uh, about Kitty Wells and Loretta Lynn. So now we're gonna do one later about Kitty Wells and Loretta Lynn. Like who who's the better one? Anyways, so. Um, Kitty Wells released uh, Wild Side of Life in 1952, and it was a reaction to a Hank Thompson song uh, called It Wasn't God Who Made Hon- Honky Donk Angels, which is a fairly, like, chauvinistic song. And then... But let's talk about what a honky tonk angel is, and I don't think everybody necessarily knows that. Yeah, I'm like, a honky tonk angel is like... It's a prostitute. Not so well, much. Well, maybe not necessarily. Yeah, maybe not necessarily. No, in, in that, those that's terms, what it came it, to. It, it was it, someone who just hung... It was a, uh, a woman well, it who came just to hung be, out at the bar. Well, yes, but it also came to be known as that, like maybe not necessarily for money, but, but that was the mindset at that point. If you didn't have a husband and you hung out at a bar, <laughs> that was it. Yeah, it was the same thing. Like you see those signs at those bars where it's like uh, uh, escorts over here and like men over here. Like, yeah, not okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, that was. That was her response, which was a, like a, a vicious response. And that song got banned, banned from the radio. And uh, yeah, it, it was so it was her response. But I, I, I love this in country music that women often respond to songs for like if some some someone comes out with uh, like a song like that and they're just like, no, 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 I'm going to do this. But that, this was in the 1950s, which is amazing that, that someone did this. Uh, that she came out with this, and it was at, at a time where people were really talking about like, why are we suffering from this like moral decay? Uh, people believed it's because women weren't like they weren't staying at home, women were starting to work, like all this stuff. And then at 33 years old, she she um, releases this song, and all of a sudden she spoke to this entire psyche of uh, of women, and it like people didn't understand. Like, they didn't understand that they weren't represented, and all of a sudden, they were represented. That's how, you know, backwards it was. And, uh, you know, Kitty Wells would never describe herself as a feminist, but um, it, it was such a, an important song. I think today she would, but at the time, there would have at been the time, a no, stigma for that. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, from there, I think it just really changed the, w- the way women thought about country music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's actually a nice transition into um, the the how and the why behind uh, women starting to go out more and I guess the onset of what led to honky-tonk angels and all kinds of philandering. And the it was heist. a real badass time for women in country music, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a badass time for everything, the post, post-war period. And that was the highest rate of divorces in American history yeah, because like everybody was just going out and banging everybody and partying and then breaking. <laughs> why up not? And, right. Get yeah. into it. <clears throat> well, and it you know was, why you could get into it. Why? Because of the pill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> you set them up. I'll knock them down. Uh, so the pill, uh, was released in 1960. So the early 60s was when uh, <laughs> you just fully chugged Yes, I'm chugging a beer. Jesus. <laughs> you, you don't have to talk for a while. You can <laughs> sip it. Um, so the, the pill just opened up the door to like equal. <laughs> Why you got to call it my alcoholism? <laughs> it just, I'm used to your alcoholism. It was just... <laughs> It was accentuated. It was punctuated. It's like a five-second, ten-second chug out of the side of my eye. Listen to our last episode. Um, after the theme music, like at the end, and he makes me drink tequila, but like mm. sip it, like mm-hmm. not chug. I was like, do I shoot this? <laughs> and he made te- me drink it, like tequila, slowly you know. drink it. Anyways, um, so the pill essentially created an equal playing field in a situ... Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Sean just had a new beer delivered to him. I guess that's the international signal for my beer is done. I'm just going to chug the last half of it for 10 seconds until someone brings me a new one. (laughs) All right. Uh, So the pill equalizes the playing field in so many ways. Women can now actually be like men without consequences. You're not going to be pregnant if you go out and play the field, have fun. Um, But... 
not everybody likes this and what you were touching on, like the morals of the time. And of course, can't have that conversation without the patriarchy, particularly at the time. And so a song gets released by Loretta Lynn, who side note and slash you mentioned before, we think is probably the greatest female country artist of all time. Um, she wrote almost all of her or most of her own music and it was great amazing music like you've probably seen the movie coal miner's daughter that was i love that movie yeah like the it was one of tommy lee jones early movies and sissy spacek, sissy spacek won yeah. best actress for it i think it was like 1980 a huge movie it was great um and that was i actually um <laughs> Just throwing it out there. But before I even knew who Loretta Lynn was, like as a young kid, I, I saw Coal Miner's Daughter and I was like, oh my God. Like I was in love with the story. And then I think I was like in love with Sissy Spacek. And then I realized like what it was. And then I was in love and with And then finally Lynn. got to the music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the last horse crosses the line, you know. Wait a second. This <laughs> sounds good too. <laughs> um, so that, that was a very autobiographical song. Um, Coal Miner's Daughter about her growing up in coal mining towns, Butcher Holler in Kentucky. Um, but she wrote all, all her other major hits, like Don't Come Home a Drinkin' with Lovin' on Your Mind, uh, about her husband's philandering, or You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man, and Fist City as the, I think, original diss tracks. Fist City? Fist City. I'm gonna start a punk band called Fist City. <laughs> I think in today's day and age, <laughs> I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Go. Um, so, so I think that was like little people like Lil Kim have to uh, pay some homage back to Loretta Lynn for the original diss tracks uh, to the honky tonk bitches trying to steal her man. But uh, with welcome to Fist City, <laughs> and that is that how you would introduce the band? <laughs> have somebody else <laughs> introduce you on stage. <laughs> Live podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Usually we'd cut this stuff out, but <laughs> today we can't. Uh, so anyways, there was this song all about the pill and uh, how essentially lyrics about her going out and having fun and not being able to suffer the consequences. Uh, you, you should really listen to the song. We'll have it on our um on, on our playlist and it was banned. It wouldn't get played anywhere. And the, it's actually a really deep dive into this. If you're interested in this, uh, a podcast we've mentioned a couple times on here is a guy named Tyler Mahan Co does a podcast called cocaine and rhinestones, uh, the history of country music. It's, it's really good. He has individual little topics that he just does crazy research on. And he did a whole hour, if not more conversation on exactly just the pill and Loretta Lynn. And I'd known a bunch of these facts before, but n not a lot of them that like that. So much of this was just based on the archaic Comstock laws still, hanging around in some of the states at the time and um, really obscenity and morality laws that wouldn't allow it to be played. But that was for women because at the same time, there's guys who are putting out songs like this that are like equally really as, creepy shit, equally as, and if not much more suggestive that like Conway Twitty, even like one of the, he was the original creeper. <laughs> yeah. Like talking about like, I'm lying here with Linda lying here with you with Linda on my mind. And I just want to lay you down. And like, th these are songs from like the early 1970s. And then the pill, a song about the pill comes on. Nope, nope, nope. Banned everywhere. Added irony is that it was written by men. Three men wrote it. And so my earlier point of talking about how she wrote most of her own songs, whether it's about her husband's philandering or honky tonk bitches or her own growing up in coal country, everything was pretty autobiographical. Like she was living that her husband was a like pretty famous philanderer. And, uh, when she puts out a song like the pill, you, just automatically assume this is also autobiographical. 
and particularly in the context of knowing what her husband has been doing for years and her singing about it. And were they were they divorced at that point? No, they've never divorced. Wow. Yeah. And she said that she has all of that. On, I'm pointing at yeah, the screen. No, I but. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but 14, 14 songs she had banned. Oh yeah, that, that, that came later. These earlier songs weren't banned. Like you, you ain't woman enough to take my man and Fist City, those weren't banned. <laughs> your, your band, Fist City, would be banned even in today's Stop context. Even for Fist today. City. <laughs> um, have you not heard that song? No. You are going to shit your pants when you hear the lyrics. <laughs> yes, fully. Yeah. Oh, it's going to ruin my day. It's, no, it's going to make your day. Listen, we have things gonna, to do today. Yeah. We can't. Get into Fist City. <laughs> so, uh, keep talking. Yeah, please. we can't. We can't cut anything here. Oh. <laughs> I've got to fill the uh, the talk, the laughing void. <laughs> so, anyways, um, hypocrisy, irony, everything you want to call it, that they would play all these other songs equally and more suggestive from men, but not from her. And because she was already such a big star at that point. Everybody knew these songs were coming out. Everybody was still buying them, and everybody loved them, and it was really capturing the zeitgeist of the moment with what everybody was thinking, free love movement, like more equality across the sexual playing field, and the radio won't play it. It didn't make a damn bit of difference because it is one of her still all-time greatest-selling singles, and she went on to continue to have more songs banned. This actually was an interesting introduction to the like a marketing idea of that almost made more waves knowing it was banned saying it was obscene the radio wouldn't play it that piqued people's curiosity and not everybody is anthony comstock like people are into this and it's sold sold like crazy she went on to continue to be controversial and against the grain i i love that oh also one more point on her uh, she never actually went on the pill. She had a bunch of kids and then had her and loved having them. She said she'd continue to have more. No, but, but I read a quote where she then, said if she could have, if she, if she knew about the pill like before, oh, she earlier on, had so yeah, yeah, many yeah. Kids. yeah, that's true. But then she had her husband have a vasectomy and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but another little bit of irony for the whole thing. She was never oh, actually on the pill. She is, she's something. She's gold. Mm-hmm. Re- anything you can read about. About her, just get into it. She is like, uh, she, she's great. Anyways, um, Fist City. <laughs> we need to, we need to move on so that okay. we don't keep um, saying I, that. <laughs> I always, whenever we we do an episode, I get into like some weird shit. So I'm gonna get into some weird shit. Um, I like to talk about Johnny Cash a lot. In 1964, as continuing on on like this weird controversy, like outsider country stuff. <laughs> Johnny Cash. Um, I think, I feel like his heart was in the right place, but <laughs> he released this album um, uh, called The Ballad of the American Indian. It was in uh, 1964. And he felt like at a time where nobody gave a shit about that. And we understand this as Canadians, that it's that is an actual issue, Native Americans. But Johnny Cash felt at uh, this time that he was going to really released this album um, about Native Americans and uh, and r- bring it to the forefront and nobody gave a shit at that time. It was 1964. No, no one gave a shit. But um, <laughs> the funny thing is, is he, he released it under the guise that he had, you know, Native blood. And then at one point, someone uh, interviewed Johnny Cash and he said, <laughs> and I, I'll throw it out there, the who interviewed him was Penthouse Magazine. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, uh, the higher I got, the more Indian blood I thought I had in me. (laughs) But anyways, he released this entire album like about the plight of, um, I mean, they they said Indian, I'm I'm saying Native American because that's what we say. I bet he pitched that story to other news outlets. Nobody, <laughs> nobody would touch, would it. touch it. Zero people would touch it. And House was like, yeah, this exceeds our standards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that was even too, almost too obscene for Penthouse. That's how wild that is. 
But he went out there. Johnny Cash was he was a madman. He didn't give a shit. And uh, and then after that, and this is like I'll just connect these two, and then I'll move on because you know it's Johnny Cash. But um, someone at one point claimed that uh, Johnny Cash was I don't know he was dating, married to someone that the Ku Klux Klan claimed was uh, African American, and <laughs> he was such a badass that he sued the entire Ku Klux Klan for a $25 million lawsuit over this, like them trying to claim that his wife was African-American. I was like, he's such a badass. Like and, Johnny, he, and he won? Uh, I don't know if he won, but at any rate, it's pretty badass to sue. Yeah, but so, but what, what is your point on this in that he was going against the grain? He's always was, against the grain. Whatever so, Johnny Cash did, he was always against the grain. And it was... And you said it was likely coming from the right place in that he was talking about his Native American yes, partial heritage. Yes, he, he meant he wanted to bring of, it to the forefront. Right. And, and, okay. he, and he did, I mean, at that point, but nobody cared at that point. Right. But it's still an important record. I think it is. But that's what Johnny Cash did. He always went against the grain, and which is what we're talking about. It's just artists. Like, they've, been, they've existed in country music for all of this, there's always been artists that have just, you know, been well, against the grain. Another good one uh, that we skip up to, uh, one, I, I think one of the most famous country songs of all time uh, from one of both of our personal heroes, Merle Haggard, uh, mm -hmm. who our executive producer, um, my dog, Merle <laughs> the Springer, is named after. <laughs> uh, he, he had a song, probably the one that rose him to the greatest prominence, even though he had many hits before that, was a song called Oki from Muskogee. And if you don't know what an Oki is, it's a person from Oklahoma. And that came up as, it was originally a very derogatory term. Um, during little small little history here, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but for the context of today, um, during the Dust Bowl years where it was impossible to farm in droughted out like mid-south, southern U.S., like all of Kansas, Oklahoma, northern Texas, everything, uh, you saw a lot of population migration going in all directions. And um, a lot of the people from Oklahoma were seen as um, kind of more downtrodden, poor, less smart, hillbilly, but not actually from hills, uh, but, but that kind of vibe. And so when they moved into different states, uh, like they were Okies, they were, they were looked down upon as Okies. And so, um, he, and he is, uh, an, oh yeah. The, <laughs> oh, what did I do? I fucked up. Uh, yes, you did, but that's okay. We've skipped ahead anyway. We're, we're here. Uh, don't know what's happened. Um, he, he wrote a song called Oki from Muskogee, and it was originally written in satire, because uh, in it he talks about, um, we don't smoke marijuana in Muskogee, we don't take trips on LSD, um, we don't let our hair grow long and shaggy, uh, a lot of like jabs towards the hippie culture of the time and uh, towards the war movement of the time, and it was, you know it's written in satire. He's had many early interviews that said so, but really got overlooked later when it took off hugely with the conservative country community because everybody read it literally. And it became kind of an anthem for conservative America. Um, like, yeah, fuck those hippies. Yeah, like, don't grow your hair long and shaggy. We wear boots. Man yeah, it's like, it's not sandals, but boots are manly footwear. Like, But it, it's like they were, they were country folk, but they weren't right wing. That was the thing that Merle always tried to do is he was, Merle was left wing, but he was country. So he well, was like, he was trying to, all, all that time he was like, I'm not what you think I am. Yeah, you know? he's, he's a country superstar that is writing these subversive songs but then they take off yep. they subversive become number one is the best way to describe it and they're written in satire or tongue-in-cheek whatever you want to call it and they take off and they're huge and now he's having number one hits making lots of money and his record label is saying yeah i know that was a joke but you got to roll with it 
And so then he starts putting out more songs like that. Uh, he, he had other music that he wanted to follow that up with to be his next, um, next song. And they wanted him to stick to that theme. And another very famous song of his is called The Fight Inside of Me. And it's really a, anti, or a, a pro-Vietnam War song that... Uh, like I, not pro... It was more like... Pro, like pro American, like pro troops, pro American. Pro, yeah, like. pro troops. Not, it's not like anti Vietnam. Like, yeah, I shouldn't say yeah. it's pro Vietnam, but it was very much. Um, it, I, I think most of the lyrics were written in disparaging the people who are disparaging the war movement. Yes. Being like, yes, these squirrely guys who say our country isn't worth fighting for and, and, and stuff like that. So it really continued on the same theme as this very conservative America support that he either didn't believe or much to a much smaller degree did i don't know what his exact stance on the war was but i, I think he's pretty he's he's left wing but he's pro uh america which is fine yeah. like that's not what yeah there's a difference between yeah, patriotism there's a big and, difference there yeah um so yeah the, the, it's something that is an what, what, almost one of those revisionist history situations where this song has, in popular culture, become this anthem for, um, for, for conservative America and then the and war it movement be, and everything. Like, and it's no, it's it's actually the opposite. It was making fun of these people and and Merle's confirmed that like many times. Where he's well, like, early on he did. Later he wouldn't comment on it because he didn't want to, I guess, because he was his too, sales too busy wearing vests. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Andrew wears a lot of vests, and it's mostly because of Merle Haggard. <laughs> Something I didn't realize, but my wife pointed out on Instagram. The yeah, I, I noticed that too, and I was like, oh, that's why you wear so many vests. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you, where do you want to go to from here? Um, we're starting to run out of time, so we should uh, hop around a little bit here. Well, we need to talk about the Dixie Chicks. Well, uh, I, I, yeah, I feel like... After That's all this stuff we talked about, it's like... It's the most important one. I think. Yeah. So where we're getting to is like a crux in the, the whole country music genre. It's like there was all these badass women. There was, you know, Johnny Cash, like Alan Jack, all this stuff. Like everybody was just, they were there. They were doing everything. They were against things. They had opinions. They were against allowed to things. have... Well, you know what I mean? They were allowed yeah. to have opinions. And then all of a sudden... Something happened. There was a very big moment in country music where things stopped happening. And I mean, you don't even have to be a fan of country music, but what what Every, this point was was everyone just played the game and kept quiet yeah. and were singing, just being entertainers. Then in the early two thousands, I forget what year it actually was. Uh, maybe around, I think it was 2003. 2003. 2003 Dixie, Dixie Chicks are playing in... People got Dixie Chickified. <laughs> uh, people, th they were playing in London, England, and um, Natalie Maines, the lead singer, she said something about, um, <laughs> similar to something people would be saying today about Trump uh, when they're abroad. Like, and, and no one would get like... Yeah, there'd be no be, issue with this. No, no. Well, probably on Fox News. If Casey Musgraves <laughs> went and said it somewhere, then the same. Do not <laughs> say fuck. Yeah. Fist city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she said something along the lines of, uh, just so y'all know, we're ashamed uh, that the president of the United States is from Texas. And that's really all she said. And this is like in the wake of the Iraq war and the like, invasions that was and everything. It. That's all she it, said. It's, I, don't, I don't know if ever, anybody's seen uh, the movie Shut Up and Sing. There's a great documentary about this whole scenario and like the death threats and everything that followed it. Like th this is not a small deal. It was... Andrew, would you call this a TSN turning point? That would be a TSN turning point. <laughs> As Canadians, we all know the TSN turning point. <laughs> they don't have TSN in America? I don't think so. No, oh, I don't know. Should we call it like country, country turning point? Yes. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we often make steel noises, steel guitar noises, but they sound like lasers. Yeah. So now we just make them sound like lasers. <laughs> yeah, the first time it went awry and now it's just <laughs> lasers stand in for country. steel guitars. Country turning point. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. 
All right, get into it. All right, so anyways, uh, this caused a major shitstorm. There was people protesting the Dixie Chicks, um, sending them death threats. They were um, not being played on very different conservative radio stations. It, it was like, it was, it was a huge deal. Uh, it actually kind of, some people think that that was the beginning of the end of their career. Uh, they took a break for a while, and they then played a... Or wrote another song. What was it called? I I'm not ready to make nice, and it was on a record. I think they released in 2004, or five or six, like a year or two later. Oh, right after, after that. Yeah, that there was nothing like that thing. There, did yeah, not, nothing it, happened for a while, and then they released this record. I forget what the record was called, but the the single was called "Not Ready to Make Nice." And 2006. It was, yeah, and it was all about. Um, yeah, don't tell me how I should feel. I don't care. I'm not ready to make nice. I'm uh, essentially like, I'm not sorry. Like it was well, Beyonce's good on, good on I them, ain't right? sorry. <laughs> but good on them for not being sorry. Oh, like. totally. Of course. But they got, man, that was a bad, a bad rap they got. Yeah. For being we have less discussion to say about this, but <laughs> like that this was the biggest deal of all of them. We could probably so do an entire episode about this. Well, there are. Could you imagine getting a death threat? for like yeah what they said that's not okay uh, and like, well today you wouldn't no not at today, all today fox news idiots would roast you and then that's it <laughs> so what what's happening now what do you think like since then are we are we recovering as a genre are people starting to say things i feel like there's a bit of a resurgence um we talked about it earlier with casey musgraves but i i think a lot of artists are uh, afraid of being as I said, and <laughs> I didn't coin this term. The, the Fox News guy said this, Dixie Chickified. Um, what does that mean exactly? It means that you're just going to get like roasted. Like the oh, second you say something, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're done. Your career is done. You're going to go the way of their the career Dixie was done after that. But, but I they think still had a number one hit after that. With that, like that Not Ready to Make Nice, that was a big song. So then I, get, I guess I, it died I after that. that yeah, but. it did die. But, I, I, you know, at some point, and this is might be a bit of a controversial opinion, but I feel like they almost might have inadvertently caused the stupefaction of country music. How because, do you mean? Well, they they put this controversial thing out there. Everybody hates them. They're done. Their career is over. So now every country musician is like, "Well, pff, we can't. We can't oh, do yeah, this. Yeah, we, we're we're gonna we're, we're gonna, gonna just, go the same way. If yeah, we, yeah, we're just gonna talk about." We're gonna shut Dirt up. And roads. Sing. We're, yeah, we're gonna shut up. We're literally gonna shut up and sing. And this is where we've been for. Because bro, country hasn't like it didn't exist yet at that point. No, but they may have caused it. inadvertently. And I, I keep saying this inadvertently because I love the addiction. They, they, what they did was amazing, but inadvertently, I feel like this caused this this flux of of country music just being dumbed down because everybody was afraid to do what they did but i don't know do you think things are coming back yeah there's a lot of people speaking out of various different things someone like eric church is one of the biggest stars in country music today and very mainstream and like his audience base is your quintessential american Midwest, rural American, NRA loving, Second Amendment loving. Well, and he went off about like gun control. Exactly. He said, right's right and wrong's wrong. Uh, I think he was talking to Rolling Stone saying, why can't we come together and solve one part of this? Start to think about bump stocks and other gun shows. Shut, uh, shut a couple of these down. I do think that the matter will take a little while. Which like, is huge, Talking about right? like it'll save some lives. From like, a, like a gun-toting American that is huge to say something like that. Like, I get it. Not even that if, if it's against personal views or something, but the fact that saying something like that, knowing that so much of his audience base yes. is those people. That's what that I mean. It could be, yeah. That's amazing that he did that yeah. too. And well, it's to common McGraw sense, and Faith right? Hill did the same thing. After the shooting in Parkland, they were very vocal about supporting gun control. And they got some flack for that too, but well, they good, got good some flack for that. But they're like the biggest superstars in country today like they they didn't they did they didn't go down at all well and oh i got to i got to flip some things where are we at well that that one was eric church yeah <laughs> there you go 
Oh, let's talk about uh, Willie Nelson and uh, Beto. What's his name? Yeah, Beto O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke. This was a, a wild one for me. Like I, we know Willie Nelson's pretty, pretty left. You know, he's a pot smoker, all that stuff. Um, I thought this was really cool. I didn't know that uh, Beto O'Rourke was he was a punk musician, like in his earlier days. So really cool. He was Willie Nelson was just campaigning against Ted Cruz, and uh, <laughs> Beto O'Rourke. Uh, that's who he was campaigning for. And whatever they were doing, like all their big thing, and then they played like a like he came up on stage. You see it here, and played with them, which was like really wild for me. And people were really into it. Do you know what song they played? Wow, I do not know. Yeah, we should look that shit up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he Will Nelson caught a lot of flack. People. Uh, we're uh, we're unfollowing Willie Nelson. Like we're not okay. Like, and again, this is where we are at with country stereotypes. That it's always right wing, right? So people, they saw this whole thing. Willie Nelson campaigning for you know a, a left wing candidate. But he's always been like that. Like he was one of the people who started Farm Aid and Farm Aid doesn't sound like a very controversial thing. Farm Aid is totally controversial. Well, it, it is in the sense of big business because it was supporting family farms. Like I think the first one was 84, 85, 85. And it was all against like agribusiness and industrialization yeah. of family farms and factory farming. And while it sounds like anybody would support that, like going against that big business machine is a huge thing. That's rebellious. Well, Willie Nelson's a punk rocker. Yeah, Can we talk about this. <laughs> well, and he like, and also on top of that, being like one of the most, I feel like him and Snoop Dogg are America's <laughs> historical. Roll me up and great, smoke me when I die. Yeah, they they did a song together. Uh, Roll me up and smoke me when I die. Like that, <laughs> I have that T-shirt. And they're buds now, and like they're they're like the two foremost American advocates for marijuana for I don't know decades, as they should be, right? Like, um. Where, but, where are we going from here? I, I, I'm going to... Well, I think we quickly... We, we should finish up soon, but we should touch whoa, whoa, whoa. on Taylor you, Swift. Dude, yeah, you should talk about Taylor yeah. Swift. As much as I don't want to talk about Taylor Swift, and I push this on him. So we don't really talk about Taylor Swift on our podcast for obvious reasons, um, but we have mentioned her before. Uh, she, she started out great. You know what? Actually, huge, we, we have talked about her in very positive this, ways. This, that, what we're going to talk about, has made me like, I'm back on board with Taylor well, Swift. Well, I've, I've not entirely been off board. A, good, a great thing about her in the context of country music, she was making pop country that was okay before, but when she went full pop, she left. Don't ever go full pop. Yeah. Well, no, she's like way more successful now. Maybe she should have taken it there earlier. Yeah, that's but fair. she left the country genre, left the field, left that radio uh, arena, and went fully into pop and killed it. Crazy successful. Well, I think yeah. that's what more pop country people should do: is like stop popifying country with your yeah. Just go half-assed leave, leave the genre. Yeah, get out. Go. This do, is insane, though. Yeah. What you're about to so, say because absolutely she became insane. So such a big deal. Like she was a big deal before, but when she went pop, even more so. Um, and so she was uh, endorsing Democratic candidates. So was this at the time, like, was it already um, Hillary or was this just before Hillary? I, uh, I think it was after. I think it was way after. Yeah. It was like so um, she went on and said th some things on Instagram and Twitter about uh, going and voting Democrat. And I, I, I don't... Yeah, there, there's the picture. There it is. Uh, voting Democrat. And after she went on, and she usually doesn't say anything political and has stayed out of it mostly. Um, not out of controversy necessarily, but political controversy. And in the span of 48 hours after that tweet, 160,000 160, people registered to vote in that time. That's real. That's a real stat. That is from like voters.org or whatever. Like, could you imagine if someone, like, 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 like what she did, if all of them just did this? It was like, vote for this person. And we all did it. Like, because that's what we do, right? We just follow it. That's 160,000 people. And so in that August, um, which I think was the month after, was it the month before? 56,000 
669 people registered to vote. And then in the 48 hours after her tweet, 160,000 people. It's insane. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. It registered and uh, presumably we're going to be voting Democrat because that's what she was endorsing. So you want to you want to just keep going on like this whole political thing? Uh, Sturgill Simpson, you guys know. Sturgill let's Sturgill let's Simpson. finish on Sturgill Simpson. I I will always talk about Sturgill Simpson. He is my favorite. Um, <laughs> look him up. Listen to his music. He's amazing. What you see behind us. So he showed up at the CMAs and uh, <laughs> he busked. So there's a bit of background. Um, he won a Grammy. So Sturgill Simpson, not not is a country Grammy, oh. a Grammy. No, it was country. Album no, it of was the year. best album of the year. But it was in the country category. No, 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 it was like album of the year of overall. Yes. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's even bigger. <laughs> wow. Um, I always thought it was like country album of the no, year. No, that's why it was so wild. Okay, so um, Sturgill Simpson, like underground country, like revivalist, super legit, like throwback artist, young guy that is just. Everybody in the country world loves him. Well, at least in the real country world. He wasn't getting played on the radio. You'd never heard like a Sturgill right, song. about acid. Like. Yeah, you, you never heard him on mainstream radio for his first couple records. And then, what, was it his third record that this was about? Yeah. The, yes. Uh, yes, the third record. He wins a Grammy, Album of the Year. And so... Like out of the blue. He yep. printed t-shirts the next day that said, who the fuck is Sturgill Simpson? Yeah, because <laughs> literally nobody... There was going to be so many, I think he was talking in a news uh, interview the next day. It was like, he was so surprised and he knew that like his own quote is something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, yeah, everybody was going to be waking up the next morning, yeah. reading the news and being like, who the fuck is Sturgill Simpson? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love him so much. And so uh, he then does not get nominated or invited to the CMA. Was it CMA or C? Uh, he was he was invited, but he had no like no awards. Oh yeah, he didn't get nominated. He didn't get nominated for anything. And, at and the this this CMAs. wasn't a protest against the CMAs. It was more a protest against I don't know America. No, I think whatever. it was against the CMAs. No, it wasn't. Well, they, no, they are who he, nominate he, him. He said it on, on he said it on record that it had nothing to do with the CMAs. He was just using the publicity because he wanted to speak out against like Trump and whatever else. But That's he weird. was he was just there. He's busking. Look at his face. Yeah, so anyways, what, what you're seeing in the picture behind us is that's uh, Nashville's Bridgestone Arena right downtown, like a block away from the Grand Ole, Grand Ole Opry. Smashville. And the CMA, <laughs> the CMA awards are happening inside. He's not inside. Instead, he's this superstar who months or weeks before no won a Grammy of the overall top <laughs> Grammy with his guitar case open and his Grammy inside of the guitar case busking for money outside talking what, what are the do you, do you know how much money he made for the aclu ten dollars ten dollars that's all he made so hey I, I and remember when we went to nashville and i i i slept in the wrong airbnb yes <laughs> it's a it's a it's non-sequitur a <laughs> it's a real situation so I, I can't read everything that the sign says without really zooming in it but it, it says it like says, i don't uh, take requests i take <laughs> But questions about I don't take anything. Requests, but I take. <laughs> See, you're you're interrupting me reading it, but you don't actually I know have I'm it. Laughing, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but I take questions about anything you want to talk about. So people, a lot of people came out to talk to him. He's fine. Uh, also, he the other sign says struggling country singer. Oh, anything yeah. helps. <laughs> All donations go to the ACLU. God yeah. bless America. Ten dollars. That's what he made that night. Ten dollars. Sturgill Simpson. Everybody. <laughs> yep, and that, that's uh, I, and I think that is uh, a perfect picture of what like even just regular. Can I country? Can I, can I throw down one more Sturgill Simpson quote? Yes, this is my favorite quote ever. This is pure, unadulterated Sturgill Simpson. Gay people should have the right to be happy, and live their life in the way that they want to, and get married and if they want to without fear of getting. You know, drug down the road behind, behind a pickup truck. Black people are probably tired of getting shot in the streets and being enslaved by the industrial prison complex. Hegemony and fascism, fascism is alive and well in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you very much. That's how he signed off that show. <laughs> like, what a madman that he can just 
And he's all, he just does it. And this is what we're talking about this entire show, is that these badass country musicians just say whatever they want. So, like, when you're, when you're hearing, like, Florida, Georgia line talking about, like, whatever bullshit they're singing about, that is not country music. This is country music. Hopefully, uh, some of these stories have given a bit of an insight into a different angle. If you're not already a country fan, uh, to yeah, they should resonate. Maybe have a look, but uh, yeah, maybe we should wrap it up there. I don't know. I want to rant for like another. How, do I have like two hours? I got two hours <laughs> left. <laughs> Anyways, uh, everybody, thank you for coming out. It was uh, a lot of fun. We are country, country music. What do you think, Andrew? I think uh, we should go have another couple beers. And we got to drive like an hour. We're, we're going to play a show tonight. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I'm going to drive, and you can have another couple beers. <laughs> uh, cheers. Thank you, everybody. Cheers. Thanks. Country, country music.